The Enforcer is the third movie in the Dirty Harry franchise, and this time Inspector Harry Callahan must brave a bold new world as he's partnered with... Let me check my notes here... A woman. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut, I am Peter and I'm joined as always by David. I don't suppose it would do any good to ask you to sit this one out. I suppose that was his catchphrase in this one. I, yeah. It, it it doesn't really sound like a catchphrase, but it is a recurring mm. theme. Yeah. I At first I thought it was the word marvelous, and I was like, I can't use that to open an episode. <laughs> Give me something better. Yeah, this is the collector's cut. We work our way through movie franchises or maybe themes of batches of movies based on an actor, director, or some other thing we decide on. Uh, we are working through the Dirty Harry franchise. This is the third movie in the franchise. It is The Enforcer from 1976, directed by James Fargo. This is his first film as a director. Um, he went on to do a few other films that you've not heard of and a lot of episodes <laughs> of TV. That is his career. So uh, He succeeded where so many others have also succeeded. We'll just get out of the way right up front. Um, and The Enforcer, which I did not... Because I'd seen all these Dirty Harry movies a long time and like maybe late high school i watched them all and that was mm-hmm. it i hadn't seen them again until we started doing them for this show um so i didn't really remember much about this obviously there was a po- point it clicked with me this like, oh this is the one where his partner is a woman that, that's what this movie is uh yeah that's how you describe it and how you remember it i think that's how it was pitched probably yes uh it's kind of like a modern fox cop show uh it's mm-hmm. a buddy cop thing but one of them is a woman that's, that's one the of them's young, and one of them's a veteran. One of them's a woman, and one of them's a man. One of them plays by the book, and the other one's not afraid to get dirty. <laughs> Tune in to CBS this Saturday night. What? Which one's dirty? Ah, you know, it could have been either. <laughs> anyway, so that is the, 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 the main pitch of this movie, I guess, mm. uh, is, is that he's going to have a female partner, which, you know... Given this, so much of this this franchise so far has been about him being kind of this old relic, and you know we talked a lot about it in the first movie, and even the second movie is kind of challenging the way he does things by having these like super corrupt like judge, jury, executioner style cops that he has to go up against. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll 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 deal with that. We'll deal with what the villains are in this movie. We'll talk about uh, you know just how this one differs from the the, the past two, how the franchise is developing as it goes on. Because, you know, there's, there's a bit of a stigma to the third entry. You know, most people would say that a lot of franchises tend to fall down a bit more when you hit the third one. Like, the sequel yeah. tends not to be as good as the first one, but it's usually the third one that really starts to go off the, the rails. Not always mm-hmm. true, obviously, but it's a common enough thing that people say it. So, uh, we'll get into it. I, I guess uh, just the basic premise, other than the fact that he has a female partner, is that there's a a militia-style group who are stealing weapons and kidnapping people for ransom to support their political beliefs or something? Yes, they are the People's Revolutionary Strike Force, and they want something. We'll talk about that, yes. <laughs> uh, so that is the that is the main thing that's happening. Uh, so basically, kidnappings and at least the threat of terrorism in the sense that like there's like one small explosion but it's only like an example explosion that doesn't actually hurt anyone so i don't think you can really say that they 
I mean, if it causes terror, then it's terrorism. Okay, sure, yes. So, it, it scared people, so, yeah. okay, yeah, fair. Um, so, yes, that's the, that's the gist. Um, my, honestly, my first complaint about this movie is that, uh, well, there's still some random events that Harry gets involved in at the start of the movie, um, it's not as random because he's called to it as a police officer, which is, you know, fair enough, because he's mm-hmm. on call. Uh, and two, he's not in the middle of eating something when he notices there's a crime. So I, I was okay. disappointed we didn't get the hamburger slash hot dog scene in this Same. I, I was like, I was waiting for it. But it's weird. This movie actually does it twice. Because in the very first part of it, he's driving around with his partner at the time. His name is uh, Frank. And... They oh, just yeah. He notice... has two partners in this movie, by the way. Yeah. That's a good point. He has two partners. Yeah. So he's driving around with his first partner, Frank, and he they just notice something is going on at a restaurant. They yes. stop in, and it's some guy's having a heart attack. And Harry just walks up to him, starts kicking the guy, telling him to get up. Turns out that I guess he's like a known troublemaker or a drunk or something. Who the cars. Takes this stuff. Yeah, to get out of bills. And... Then he just leaves. And then that scene never comes up again. No. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to use him as part of like a plan later or something when mm-hmm. they introduced this guy to start. I mean, I will say I was relieved that he just recognized him and knew he was a troublemaker because I, I, for part of me, it was like, oh, they try to tell me Harry can tell that he's faking a heart attack. And like, no, no, he, he just knows him. He just knows the guy. <laughs> I wanted one of two things out of the scene. One, I wanted it to be a scene where Harry has to somehow save a guy who's having a heart attack because that would be, I think, a little step up to he has to like hijack this plane himself <laughs> from the last movie. I think that, like, no, now Harry has to save a man from death. But it's like, yeah. Feels, right, like, I mean, feels like the budget went down a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, it does. Like plain set piece, then, you know, versus Yeah, this. then the other thing that happens is that it's just, I, I either would have wanted that to happen or I would have wanted him to come up later. Neither of which did. And then we just go into the second thing where uh, there is a liquor store robbery that they do actually get called to. Yes. And it's turned into a hostage situation. Harry goes in because I don't know why they think he's good with a hostage negotiation. But he goes in and they tell him, we want a car and we're going to take two hostages with us. And you'll get them after we like get across the bridge or whatever. And then Harry, to keep a long story short, says, you want a car? I'll give you a car. And he drives a car through the front of the liquor store knocking out endangering every guys. single hostage every person in involved yes uh so we'll get into more of those specifics in, in a bit i, I should probably mm-hmm. ask the general question before we go yes. any further into right. things david how did you feel about the enforcer uh, i definitely feel this was a step down i don't think there is any way to say that this is on the level of the same of the first two, but I, for me, this movie without getting too much of a way, just felt unfocused. It felt like there was a lot of stuff going on, but none of it really felt like it had a point to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah. I definitely shared the step. I mean, I thought obviously Madden force was a step down from dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. This is another step down. And I think, well, I still had obviously did have some problems with Magnum Force, and I don't think it was as as good as the first one. I think this is a step further into just being schlock without much meaning behind it. Even though 
yeah it's doing the woman partner it even brings up black militia groups and things like that and there's like an implied racism of like the people in charge of the police because they're just assuming it was this group but it's not it's actually this other group yeah um and things like that it didn't really feel uh, the big thing to me that really felt like stepped down in this was that the one thing the second movie still had was that it had a really strong sense of who the villain was uh mm. and it had a really strong sense of like there this constant presence throughout the movie and it's directly challenging something kind of crucial to the the idea or theme of dirty harry in this movie the villain are introduced at the start right the group's introduced right at the start right. uh and to be honest the opening scene doesn't really do a good job of setting up what type of villain it is because i i i felt i felt like it was another serial killer from that opening scene and then obviously oh, the next time we see them he's with a group and it's like oh no it's this other thing now but the second time you see them they're involved they're, they're stealing some stuff for the plot which we'll get to when we talk about mm. it but then they disappear for so long and so much of the movie is just harry and his partner chasing leads to try and figure out who the the leader of the group is and so much of it it just feels so generic and disconnected that even in magnum force which wasn't as good as dirty harry the rogue cops that were doing stuff like it was constantly coming up and it was constantly about hunting and figuring out who they are and there was like this like as harry starting to realize that they might be cops it's like oh shit like it was a constant like it felt like the villain was breathing down the neck of the plot the entire movie and this movie it feels like you just forget about them and they have no presence there's no character you know, no. when you go back, I just uh, edited the last episode and I was getting the clips for the start. You know, that introduction to the, in the last movie where, you know, the, the cop pulls over the car at the start and like there's all these shots of, like, you know, obscuring the face but showing the faceless cop come up to the car. It's very intimidating. There's mm. this m- menace to it, right? There's this uh, yeah. this impending, this uh, opposing force to Dirty Harry that feels like a real villainous threat. In this movie... Not only do you never get that from the, 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 the villainous group and the, the leader of the villainous group, not only do they mm-hmm. disappear for so long that you almost forget they exist by the time they come back into it, Dirty Harry, who by the end of the movie has kind of a personal reason to want to get to him, um, they never even have a conversation where they face off. Yeah, They, no. they never have like a, uh, like, this is why I'm after you and why it means a lot to me to get you, bad guy. They never have that. Uh, they never have any kind of like uh meeting or you know the, the closest they ever get to each other is at a pretty di- great distance when there's some shooting between them going yeah. on and that's it there's whereas you compare that to the the first movie where you've got this this great serial killer who's going around the city and harry like, interacts with them when he's got the ski mask on because they're doing the whole plan to try and you know give him the money and maybe capture mm-hmm. him or whatever um it becomes more personal and harry like feels more ingrained to like get him because of that the second movie uh eventually when they realize he's getting close you know the villains you know talk to him and kind of like make him this offer and uh, you know like it, it still felt like it was the, the, the movie was about the villains and what the threat they opposed to harry this movie kind of just feels like oh no we've got a lot of little, little random investigation things that harry's going to get involved in and it's about him yeah. kind of like bickering with his partner and eventually we'll remember there was villains <laughs> and we'll bring them yeah. back in that's my I, big problem for me for me personally it feels like whoever wrote this directed it whoever's in charge they heard the synopsis the plot summary of the first dirty harry as dirty harry is an inspector who goes up against a villain a threat while also taking on the system 
And they thought, okay, I can do that again. But then they just got it all backwards where instead of it being this personal relationship, as you were saying, between Harry hunting down this person, it was just sort of a vague like, eh, we'll catch him at some point eventually yeah. over there. And then when it comes down to the system stuff, it's not even Harry so much versus the system as much as Harry versus the isms. This is the Harry versus sexism, Harry versus racism, Harry versus whatever ism is going on. And it just, I don't know, it doesn't, it feels shallow the whole way through yeah, in that I kept on, I kept on waiting for the moment, like the single moment where it was just going to be like, okay, this is where they're going to kick stuff into gear. And we're either going to focus on one thing really heavily or the other. Either we're going to focus on the system stuff or we're going to focus on the villain stuff. And neither of them really felt like it ever was a thing. On, was on, a that, point... on that point about it ramping up, I checked mm-hmm. the like where I was at runtime-wise at a certain point, And I was like, I know we're in 10 minutes in, and it was like, oh, there's 23 minutes left of the movie. And I went, how? How is it? I think, this movie I, think is I checked not, at the exact same yeah, point. <laughs> this movie has not escalated. I don't feel like I'm getting to the third act. It feels like nothing's yeah. ramped up at all. I checked it again when there were five minutes left, and I was still in that mindset. Like I was like, okay, this, this there's a there was a big thing that happened just afterwards, and we'll get to that. But yeah. up until that, like they saved it all for the last like five minutes of this movie. Because something kept, that should have happened so much earlier. On. I kept waiting for like, oh, what's the moment I'm going to care about Harry getting the bad guys? Because I didn't mm-hmm. yet, and we'd barely yeah. seen them. You know, like you can really break down all the bad guy stuff into about four scenes if you really want to. You've got the opening, you've got them stealing some weapons, you've got when they actually sort of do their big plan, and then just the climax. That's basically the, the four sections where you see the bad guys, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, they have interactions with the occasional individual bad guy in between, but for the most part, them doing villainous things, yeah, it is really only those four scenes, and none of those felt... Like, everything had... Each of those scenes had something that impacted the plot. It yeah. moved the plot forward, but it didn't feel like anything that personally impacted Harry as a character. Something no. that made it feel like he was the only one who could possibly do this. Yeah, um, they tried to make you care because something happens to his uh, his first partner, which you know, like, yeah, I don't think first. that's a spoiler to say that you know he ends up with a second partner. So yeah, you know, the first, nothing bad happens to the first partner. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, he just retires, you know. But th- th- that's kind of the 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 the, the, va- the, the thinly veiled attempt. <laughs> to make you care and give harry a personal stake but it feels so lackadaisical about it and the villains have no presence or personality compared and it feels really try hard because the opening scene it almost feels like the opening of a horror movie in a weird way because the opening scene of the movie that introduces the at least a couple of the villains is this young woman kind of convinces uh, these two electricians or gas there's electricians and gas workers it's like you know yeah. company does both uh mm-hmm. and it's like they are going to give her a lift. She's hitchhiking, and she's like, hey, I'm going up here, and the younger guy's like, oh, can we give her a lift? I like her. She's cute. <laughs> and, you know, and it's all this thing to lure them up there so that the leader of this group that she's with can kill them. And right away, the direction felt like a big downturn from the last two because it was trying really hard to sort of present him as this cool, like, villain. And there was a lot mm. of close-ups to him holding his knife. There was a lot of close-ups to his face and his, his facial expression changing. It was almost like they were trying, and this is why I, I was getting like, oh, they're doing a serial killer again of some kind because they're trying to make him feel unhinged and feel like he's right. really going to enjoy that he's about to kill these two guys. And 
I just, I, I, as the movie progressed, every time we saw him, it kind of just felt like, I don't know, I feel like you're just, there's no character here. Yeah, I mean, in that first scene, they really took a long time of, like, showing him slowly walking up. Yeah. They do a close-up on his eyes. It really felt like this was something that was personal to him, something that he felt that he, like, wanted to do. But then you find out in the end, this was just step one to this much larger plan yeah, that, that was literally just to get the truck. Yeah, to get the truck so they could they could pose as workers for this, you know, company. Which... Right, so... So why did they spend so long making it seem like, no, like if you had revealed in the plot later on that his father was murdered by some gas and electric workers, <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah, That's I'll, 100% I'll, to be honest, what I got. He seemed happy enough whilst doing it that I also just kind of got the impression that he just liked killing. So I thought, oh. you know, this was setting me up that we were going to get more scenes like this where he was going to kill more victims. But then it turned out he's not a serial killer. Uh, yeah. Because when it, the next time you see him, he's with this group where the, it's all these hippies in a, in a van. And I'm like, what what is like that's become all of a sudden? I, I, yeah, you know. And... Honestly, I didn't even recognize the guy to begin with because in the first scene he was very like, you know, he had a different wardrobe on stuff like that. In the second scene, he's like far off to the left of the shot, and there are like six other people in there, at least one of which looks fairly similar to him as well. So I was like, is this the same guy? I he's don't... got like a headband on, I think, as well. So he just right. yeah, he feels very different in demeanor. Um, and his brutality only comes up a little bit when, you know, he's challenged in a couple of things. But it really feels so lacking in character, and they have no presence compared to even Magnum Force, never mind the killer in the first Dirty Harry. So, right. given that the villains were such a strong element of those first two movies, and here, it's just a non-thing. They're just such a non-entity that it just it feels weird. And there's a couple of lines here or there that explain that there's, there's some kind of group that have political motivations or whatever, but... Right. You know, you said to me before we started that you didn't even realize they were all uh, vets from Vietnam. And yeah, I, I think I caught the line that said the main guy was. I don't think I realized they all were. Yeah, because they said the one guy, he did it with, like, military precision or yeah. something like that. But then, like, they've got... I think the group consists of, like, four or five men and two women. Yeah. One of which is the hitchhiker from the beginning who, like... I'm sorry, is she a Vietnam vet? She doesn't look like she would be a Vietnam vet. I don't mean to well, stereotype I, there, but she is. Maybe this is a dumb question, but did women go to Vietnam? I don't know. I don't think I so. I have no idea. I, I feel like in all the Vietnam movies I've seen, I don't remember ever seeing like a woman on a like a squad. I mean, I know, I know that's where the draft was, and the draft was able-bodied men. Yeah. So I don't know if like if they voluntarily went, but. Either way, maybe maybe only some of them were Vietnam vets. Maybe it was only him. Maybe just IMDb is just lying to us because it has happened before. Uh, yeah, but... maybe I just assumed the the ladies were just girlfriends of two of the vets. Yeah. you know, I, like I don't know. Regardless, it, it's it's an issue of it being that, like, when it came down to Magnum Force, when it comes down to Scorpio from the first one, we at least know why these villains are doing what they're doing. They're very they defined. Into... They're very defined exactly. and focused. Yeah. They, you, you are able to get the full thing based out of the movie. This one, immediately, we are presented with like, well, maybe fill in the gaps yourself. Like, what do you think happened with this guy or this girl? At one point, far later on in the movie, uh, they reveal that they got radicalized or something like that by another character that was only shown in one scene in the middle of the movie 
and then brought up again at the very end as like oh i didn't mean for this to happen and it's like where where did this come from this wasn't a thing right yeah, up until like just all murky that's just the sad thing is is that the opening scene made me think oh we're doing a serial killer again like the first movie mm-hmm. but already it's not as good because it doesn't feel like the, the you know the, the first scene in dirty harry like immediately it's there's so much style you get that pulse as he's on the roof with a sniper rifle and he kills this innocent person in a swimming pool it feels intimidating right, right away even before we get any character from him it's like okay this is a, a threat this is a, a, a this is a danger in the city that needs to be stopped this mm-hmm. movie you know it starts with the bad guy slowly walking towards the electrician and he's got his knife and he's sort of smiling and like it's it's a bit over the top and it's like okay this is just a shittier version of a serial killer that they've done in the first movie but hey maybe that'll be fun if they do other things with it the very next time you see this guy and he's with the group and it's like okay you've just murkied this up it's not simple anymore so i don't understand what it is now like i don't understand right. and it takes the movie a while to explain oh they're a, a militant group and they've got goals and they've got like these and mm. it's just i also feel like the movie wants to get into some political stuff as well just with the and when i say political stuff i don't mean uh political ideology more so that there's a you know part of the plot later on is about this group wanting to get to the mayor and the mayor mm. uh like at various points like the you know the political like pr shit of like right. him wanting to use harry and the fact that he's got a woman on the police force this is like the the mayor's initiative is to put more women in the police force so that's kind of like he wants to like parade them in front of a, a you know the, the press and say hey look at how great we're doing because we've, we've got this great pair who are solving things and and doing stuff and i feel like it okay it's again it's trying to tap into something that feels like it would be relevant in dirty harry is to mm-hmm. maybe talk about him not liking the idea of being made up you know a, a pony show of like that's you know police works about doing the job and you know stopping the bad guys it's not about yeah. getting the credit or propping up some political figure because we're, we're boosting the numbers or anything like that that's not necessarily a bad subject to tackle with dirty harry given like mm-hmm. what type of character he is but the movie completely and utterly just shits it out like it's nothing i mean yeah it does feel like in some draft of the script that was the original through line that mm-hmm. was the one where they were like because it comes up again in the middle it comes up again at the very end of the movie of it being more about optics than it is actually doing the right thing and i can see that working yeah that would be something that would be a good dirty hairy subject but you're right in that this doesn't deal with it yeah, it the- is the good, such a non-issue the good version of this which i guess the movie's kind of getting that is that like so harry when he's first presented with the idea of women on the police force he's not he's not for it right which made me laugh a little bit because he's so he's such a misogynist like old school yeah. kind of guy he's just kind of like oh this is bullshit what is this you know i think <laughs> when he's when he first because like, he, he meets her he meets the partner like early on when she's just like doing the interview to get the job and then later on when he's actually introduced to her as his partner and he's like shit like i laughed at the shit because it's just like he he delivers it so well but this idea that he's very cynical about uh this initiative and it's all this political thing and it is when we meet the mayor and it feels like yeah the mayor doesn't necessarily care about feminism and he's not pushing this forward because he believes in it this is purely about optics and gaining points and being re-elected and it's very cynical but the arc of the movie then should be that Harry, actually working with a woman who's capable, learns his mistake and goes, you know what, no, they should be on the force, they should be doing this job too, because they offer something different to me, uh, or whatever, you know, there should be an yeah. arc there. 
I don't think the movie really accomplishes that arc or even... Yeah, but see, that's where it gets all blurry is because it's not specifically about just having a woman partner. Like, mm. they also... If you if you broaden the focus more on the idea of just optics over doing what's right, there's also the whole thing of the uh, black militant group being arrested and framed just because it looks good to have the terrorists off the streets. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we um, solved the problem, even though they're yeah. not. Yeah. So, like, they keep on revisiting this thing of, like, saying that things are okay or making things look like something that they're not just for the sake of doing it. But for the most part, it just doesn't feel like it flows. It feels like it's so disjointed. And that's mainly because that thing of optics is what everybody around Harry is doing. Harry himself couldn't care less. He doesn't, like, at one point later on in the movie, he is given a commendation for something that happens. He is given, like, but it, like, doesn't actually happen. They're just giving him the commendation for it. And he turns it down. And rather than going out and saying, here's what really happened, he just lets them keep lying. He just lets yeah. them have their optics regardless. It's, not, if, a, if the it's optics... not a thing where Clint's trying, or not Clint, Harry's trying to do anything it's everyone around him is doing something and he's just kind of caught in the crossfire. I mean, if the optics were getting in the way of him doing his job and then ultimately asked to overcome them, like that would be fine too because that would still mm -hmm. be playing into like what's going on. And the other problem with the movie is just that it does feel so scattershot in what it's doing where it just, it feels like we get all these little sections where, oh, this is a scene or a little section where Harry or Harry and his partner are doing this. And it just feels like a series of events that don't necessarily feel like they knock on naturally from each other. Um, right. You know, from... You can almost break it down into these sections where, okay, you've got the intro, you've got the hostage situation, you've got Harry gets demoted and he's doing this stuff, and then you've got, oh, something happens with the militant group, so it kind of moves the plot along. And then it I goes mean, into... Can, can, can we just, oh. real quick, Harry got demoted and then reinstated over the course of, like, 10 minutes. Yes. Like... Uh, yeah, that's the point know. where i realized this movie had zero stakes to it where it was just like yes. you're working in personnel and he's like personnel and they talk for like two minutes about how personnel sucks he's there for one day and i, then, then like, I did laugh all right the, you're out of personnel i did laugh at the line though he's like personnel's for assholes like i could see the joke <laughs> coming but the captain stands up slowly and goes i was in personnel <laughs> i was in personnel for 10 years exactly <laughs> Uh, actually, this movie brings back a character uh, from the first movie. It does. Uh, which mm -hmm. I, I I didn't realize it was him. I just thought, oh, I recognize this guy from something. And then I was like, oh, it's from Dirty Harry. That's why I recognize yeah. him. Uh, the lieutenant from the first movie's back. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Which actually got me thinking. I'm like, yeah, this movie's not going to address how Harry explained anything that happened at the end of Magnum Force, is it? Or how, you know, no. Cause, of course cause not. There should be a huge investigation to uh, even, like, even if Harry ultimately was proven right by the end of it, I feel like he'd still be off the force just because, oh, this was so murky and you eventually had to end up killing like several other cops that we just can't have you on the force anymore. See, this would have been the perfect way if they wanted to do the optics story <laughs> to just run with that, where it's like, yeah. hey, Harry, yeah, we found you're innocent or something like that, but it's very murky. So because it looks bad, you're put in personnel or you're on yeah. paid leave or something like that. Literally anything but instead we get one throwaway line of just like the new partner saying like yeah i read that you lost your partner back in 72 anyway yep uh do you know i uh 
so I guess I'll, I'll give the spoiler warning at this point just so we can right. not hold back. But sure. uh, so he gets put in personnel because of the hostage situation, which you know, rightfully so, because not only does he just immediately decide to smash a car into the liquor store, endangering all the hostages, mm-hmm. um, he breaks a lot of stuff, obviously, uh, including his cop car. <laughs> 14,379. Oh, you've noted down the exact number. Very good. I noted down the exact number. And the captain, well, he, he obviously he's played like he's meant to be unlikable uh, throughout the movie. He's kind of right in this scene because Harry is a reckless asshole. Oh, absolutely. But he's putting personnel, and we get that joke, and he shows up to personnel the next day. And maybe it's just me, but he's put in this new department that he's never been in before, and mm. he's immediately thrust into being like on the the judges panel if you i don't know what you call it but you know what yeah I mean? uh, the the examination yeah. board or whatever so they're interviewing uh not not like uh new employees but they're interviewing current cops for mm. the role of inspector so there's eight in- cops yeah so there's eight inspector slots well mm. they're not even all b cops because uh lady cop who becomes his partner is not That's a b cop uh she's just in just normal officers i guess they would be yeah she, she's just in like the office doing paperwork basically mm. for the sounds of it yep. um which so, but he's immediately sitting there and he's like, you know, grumping and he's complaining. He's, <laughs> he's acting bored because he's at this stupid thing. And all I could think was, before we even get to the content of the scene and the actual dialogue and like what it sets up, all I could think was, you think like he would get like an orientation as to what he actually does in this new role? Because this is not what he normally does at his job. Like all of a sudden he's having to judge like who new inspectors are going to be. Yeah. Because at one point they throw to him for a quiz, like, hey, Harry, do you want to ask the cadet anything or whatever? And he's mm-hmm. like, um, uh, <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, like, even if he wasn't being a grumpy asshole about it, I feel like I, I, if I was, like, thrown into this department with, like, no warning, like, you wouldn't know how to do this. It's a completely new job. Yeah, no, I mean, there is one throwaway line in there where he asks a question that's, I guess, inappropriate for whatever reason. Yeah. And the one guy responds with, you know, that's not how we do things here. So, Maybe he know. Maybe this is like the most basic level department, and they're just like, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's something literally anyone could do. This is the equivalent to being like trained in the back rooms at Walmart or something mm. like that, and then told, hey, today you're going to be the door greeter, which is <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I know yeah, how to do you that. You don't have to learn to work the cash register. You just have to say hello. Yeah. yeah sure okay because it just it felt like yeah at the very least it'd be like okay here's like the rules of which we do that's like unless they're saying well you i presume at one point in his career he had to be in the other end of this interview to get his job so is that all the experience he needs well you remember what you were asked so (laughs) just go in and start interviewing people right so yeah the big things that are set up in this scene though for the movie Mm -hmm. is that there's a, a woman on this board off to the side who yeah, is notably who? not a cop. She's like a representative for the mayor or something like that. She's like right. outside the department. And he's like, who's this broad? It's like, what's she doing here? And she's here because because he says, oh, how many slots are open for like, you know, uh, the job here? Because they're interviewing like, mm-hmm. you know, 100, 200 people, whatever it is. And yeah. he's like, oh, there's eight slots, five men and three women. He's like, women? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I see what we're doing with this movie. And, you know, the, the the woman who's on the, the board is like, oh, do you have a problem with that? Inspector Callahan. And he's like, oh, no, it's great. I think it's very fashionable. That's, that's the, or, no, stylish. He keeps saying it's stylish, yeah. uh, stylish. to have a woman on the force. Um, 
And I'm like, okay, I can see what we're going to do here. We're going to have him learn something and challenge his views on, you know, whether or not men or women should be on the force. The sad part is, though, is I feel like the movie never actually proves to him that it's a good idea because what happens with this female partner he ends up with, uh, it constantly shows how she can't keep up in a chase because she's wearing a skirt. Like, I was expecting mm-hmm. after a big chase scene where she falls behind because she's wearing a skirt, where he goes, the lesson for today is wear pants, right? Yeah. Which... You know, it would be a funny enough joke, and it was like, yeah, it actually kind of makes sense. If you're going to chase people, you kind of need to wear clothes that are suitable for also, chasing. Also, I, I didn't actually look, but I feel like she was running in heels the whole time. Like yeah, she which, was She was definitely falling behind just but, from running on something. Which felt like, yeah, again, like, okay, that's something she should learn, is like, hey, wear clothes appropriate for the job, just because, yeah. you know, whatever. But, like, you know, we're in spoilers now. She dies at the yeah. end. She gets killed. <gasps> And, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and it's such, it's like literally five minutes from the end of the movie. And I feel like Harry bonds with her a little bit, but I don't feel like, like, Harry gets to the point where he's like, you know what, nah, like, we solved this case because I had a woman with a woman's perspective to help me do it. Like, he never yeah. has that kind of moment, or, or not even, like, a woman's perspective, just the idea that, no, she was capable, and she helped solve this case. Like, she does save him at one point, but, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I never felt like he she, learned that. She saves him at one point, and then she holds her own in getting the mayor to yeah. safety. That is the two things that she does over the course of this. And then also she has, like, there's an extended, like, 10-minute long segment of Callahan being suspended and her just being like, let's just talk. But did you ever and feel like, get to he, know each other. like he changed his view? I don't feel like he changed his view on, like, women as a whole. I feel like he changed his view on this one particular woman. Okay. Because I, I, I feel like that, that, but I never really felt that much. I felt like he was kind of attracted to her, which is problematic. Yeah, no, as right. soon as that scene started, I was like, please don't do this. I yeah. really don't want you to do this. Because he's, he's sort of looking at her, and he's kind of impressed. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he intentionally... There's an entire, like... 30 to 40 minute or second segment where she just keeps doing sexual innuendo. Oh yeah. Yeah. That happens later like, on. Yeah. Constantly. And I was like, no, please don't, don't talk about Harry's little Harry. <laughs> but you know, in, in this interview scene, he asks like, you know, how quickly can you run the, the 100 or 500 meters, whatever it is. Yeah, and, 100. uh, like they say that's inappropriate or for a reason. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like, Again, if it's going to be a cop who's chasing down perps, I, I don't know if it's as inappropriate to ask. Like, are you, are you capable of running? <laughs> that feels like a reasonable well, enough question. I, I feel like in this particular scene, the the object of the group is to basically look for the X factor, the thing that like written and physical tests can't yeah, account yeah. for. It seems like the thing that we're trying to find is how do you react under stress? Yeah, they're doing scenarios. They're saying, okay, so... I've got a right. hostage and you're you need to de-escalate the situation or whatever, which is, by the way, Harry's the wrong person to have uh, oh, on, on this board. <laughs> the movie's pr- proved that right from the get-go. Yep. Um, but, like, the, the whole thing, like, he's kind of impressed by her at the very end of the scene because she's, she's learned, like, the law. She's learned the codes. Like, you know, when they bring up mm-hmm. something, she's like, oh, no, under this law, blah, 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 subsection. And it's like, okay, she's done her book learning at the very least. Yeah. The one thing that stuck out to me about this scene, though, which I don't think the movie really addresses... Um, because he says something like, you know, he asks like, how many felony arrests have you made? And she's like, none. And he's like, well, how many misdemeanor arrests have you made? And she's like, also none. And it's like, okay, she's been working behind the desk basically the entire time she's been working. And 
I think the movie needed to make more of a point here because I, I got it a little bit in this scene, but I think the implication was that, oh yeah, she's never made an arrest and you're kind of right that someone shouldn't become an inspector and be you know promoted to that, that extent without that experience. But mm-hmm. I think that what the scenes try to get at and the movie could have done a better job of bringing up is that the reason why she's not made any arrests is because they have not trusted her to actually give her that experience. They have not put her on the street yeah. as a beat cop because they have this instant sexism implied where, oh, you're a woman, so you shouldn't be out doing that job. You should be doing the safe jobs and the office. You should be mm-hmm. doing this or that. And we see it kind of repeatedly when she's out with Harry that, you know, when they've been shown the uh, the bazooka and they're handing it down everyone to get a, a sense of it. Like, he's about to hand it to her and the soldier just takes it immediately. <laughs> it's like, no, you, you don't have to feel it. You're, 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 yeah. you're a woman. Well, you, you don't need to know how this works. But even then, as soon as that scene ends, he's firing the bazooka and Harry knows that there's going to be like a back blow yes. off of this rocket launcher. And she's just standing right behind it, trying to, like, see down the barrel, more or less. And Harry has to yank her out of the way. So not only is it doing the side of things where it's like no one's given her a chance, it's also doing the side of things of showing that she is extremely green and doing things that, like, would have gotten her killed. Yes. Otherwise. So it's kind of trying to play, like, both sides of the fence there, where, yes, she's incompetent because she hasn't gotten the chance, but now that she's gotten the chance... She's still incompetent. And she's and it's been played for comedy as well. This moment's a oh, funny yeah. moment. That's what it's supposed Absolutely. to be. Um mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it's funny like, you know, watching her be yanked out by him and like, okay, like, you know, you're about to have your head blown off without realizing it. Um mm-hmm. but when you look at the movie's messaging, the fact that it's trying to tackle like, oh, Harry's opinions on having a woman on the police force, it's kind of sending mixed signals as to what the movie's actually trying to say about it. Right. Uh and it's like and I feel like, obviously, we were viewing this from a modern-day perspective. We, you know, we're used to seeing not only hmm. women in police force, but just in movies and TV, women cops and women uh, yeah. investigators and stuff like that. It's not Law even something SVU we... SVU has been running for how many decades? <laughs> and it's not something we even think about when we see anymore. But, you know, this is something that's been used to great effect. And, you know, if you watch um, The Silence of the Lambs, for example, mm-hmm. a big theme in that movie is that uh, Jodie Foster's character, Clarice, is entering this world that is dominated by men and she's kind of like one of the early you know this new generation coming in and she's having to prove herself constantly that she's capable to stand up you know one of the very first shots in that movie is her getting into an elevator and she's like a foot and a half shorter than every man in the elevator it's like no she's a small woman who is throughout the movie is going to have to try and prove that she is capable of keeping up with them and there's this and that movie does it way more subtly it's not it's not shoving it in your face with all these jokes and things like that yeah um but ultimately in that movie she is capable she is smart she she does make some mistakes sure but she looks at things differently and she's ultimately able to succeed because of that whereas in this movie like yeah she's capable at like helping the mayor at the end when he's a hostage but it never really feels like it makes a definitive point with her by the end she just kind of dies and yeah no she's just kind of used as just the generic sort of partner for harry like whatever harry wants to do she's there to provide like the helping hand because as we said at one point harry gets kicked off the force like she's just there to get information from the systems that harry isn't able to get anymore and stuff like that she's not given the opportunity to really shine in any way yeah she's his secretary basically at that point yeah more or less and Uh, then given the one badass scene at the end to actually prove herself but by that point it feels like too little too late yeah and the whole movie feels like i said the pacing is just 
non-existent. Oh, it, God, it's there, awful. There's no momentum at all. It doesn't feel like it builds up to... to the, and that's why I kept saying, like, I was checking the runtime at a certain point. I went, oh, wait, we're only 20 minutes from the end? How? Mm-hmm. How? We're, we're, we haven't yeah. ramped up at all. And that mm-hmm. that is a problem because, we, you know, I, I don't think you realize how long it takes to get through a lot of this early stuff where... Okay, so we have her interview scene... And then we have, we go back to the militants and they're like stealing stuff from a military base or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they kill the security guard who's this feeble old man. So it's like, oh, see, he's vicious. He does this stuff. And it just yeah. so happens that Harry's partner, who's not his partner anymore now because Harry's been demoted to personnel. So that's this yep. chubby like older guy uh, goes in because they, 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 they see something's wrong, which I guess is kind of falling into the whole, they're just going by and, hey, wait, something's up here. Yeah. <laughs> which... It's something you expect more for a, for like a, a regular patrol car because they're kind of just patrolling and looking for stuff. Yeah. It's kind of weird that these detectives keep stumbling into things. I mean, literally the only point of this scene is to get Harry's partner dead. Yes. Because that is contractually obligated. Um, so yeah, I, based off of that, I mean, you can't think too much about it. No. It could easily have just been him walking because they keep on making jokes about how he's overweight and Italian. So he very easily could have just been coming down from the local Italian food mart and been like, huh, why is this gate open? <laughs> but he, he goes in, he pulls his gun uh, and he has them all kind of like with their hands up, except the leader who sneaks up behind him and stabs him, uh, yeah. which makes him fire his gun as a reaction because he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. still aiming it and holding it. And it shoots the girl from the start, you know, the one who, like, lured the electricians. And it turns out the second-in-command guy here, that's, like, his girlfriend, and he's really upset, and he's, you know, he's like, no, 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 we'll get you to hospital. And then the main guy comes over and just shoots her, because, like, no, no, she's already dead, we need to leave her behind. Um, It's not even, it's not even that bad, it's, or even worse than that, it's, like... She's like, no, we can get her, we can save her, she's still alive. And then he comes up like, now she's not, let's go. Yeah. This is an inconvenience. This will slow us down. Nope, we have to mm-hmm. go. And, like, you would think that it establishes that this other guy with the dark hair, because the main guy's got blonde hair, so that's just how I'm distinguishing them. Uh, yeah. This other guy with the dark hair, that he, him being in love, presumably, with this, this character and being upset that she'd been killed, that this would play into something later. That this would, in some way, lead to some dissension or lead to him maybe second guessing the leader at some point later mm-hmm. on that would you know serve in a scene or something it never ever results in a single thing nope. for the rest of the movie in fact after this scene this guy with the dark hair is always around in the villainous stuff and you see him get shot in the big you know climax at alcatraz but mm-hmm. like he, he barely has any lines of dialogue after this it never never there's do only with him. there's only two people in this group who have like any dialogue at all and that is bobby the main guy the blonde one and wanda the other female yes pretty much everyone else in this group is just like whatever they're there to fill out the body count at the end pretty much pretty much um but no it is it is genuinely like when it comes down to that scene specifically with the warehouse i did expect it to be the setup like it, it, that's all it really is it's saying like okay we're setting up this thing they're going they're getting weapons this is just getting the stakes here where it's like we have a massively armed terrorist group and more specifically harry's partner was killed by that yeah 
So it is setting up the stakes of not only why they're a threat to everybody, but why Harry specifically would be interested. And they never, that's like a, you know, now I'm thinking about it, they never actually, all this stuff, they get all these bazookas, they get all these munitions, mm -hmm. and other than just the fact that they have guns for the big shootout at the end, yeah. I, I don't feel like this is ever that important or relevant that no. they have all this stuff. They, they keep on calling in throughout the movie and leaving like tapes for whoever to basically make their demands and it keeps on incrementing it's like one million two million five million just to say like oh you'll give us what we want or else this and over the course of it it's just more and more revealed that they don't actually really have any sort of ideals they're not trying to make any sort of actual revolution they're literally just trying to make money here so based off of that because like yeah there is no there's nothing where these weapons are going to be used to take down a corrupt government or free a certain group that's yeah. being held captive or something like it is literally just for the purpose of we have weapons and you don't know how we're going to use them, which is fine from a terrorist perspective. Like if you found out that there was some group threatening like with a dirty bomb or something. It would just be generally terrifying. The public would be scared, but they never even if they even... didn't know how. But yeah, but from us as an audience, we see that they're not doing anything. We see that it doesn't matter because this was just introduced in order to give them a threatening. Otherwise, they're just like a bunch of twenty somethings running around town yeah. in cosplay. They like they they have like their little example bombing, which we'll get mm -hmm. to in a minute. But other than that, yeah. they never like even have like a ticking bomb somewhere that could go off. So yeah. it never feels like I don't know. It never really feels that like the threat escalates in any way, shape, or form. So they always just mm -hmm. kind of feel a little bit, uh, I don't know, like limp. <laughs> yeah, they're just the neutered the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, they just feel like they don't pose anything. It feel, it, you know, the last two movies, it felt like no, no, this is like a villain that needs Dirty Harry. Like they're they're bad enough that mm -hmm. like someone like Harry's needs for this. But these guys, it just kind of feels that like they exist because we need a villain, and there's no yeah. like feeling or passion behind them. Uh, so there's a scene at the hospital where Harry goes to see the partner who's still alive for a little bit and he sort of, yeah. you know, dies in hospital with his wife. Uh, and it's, it's meant to make you give a shit about Harry, like, you know, doing this for his partner, but like... Well, he also, the partner says like, hey, I recognize one of the guys from a previous stakeout oh, a plot we did, point, like, yes. however long ago. But even then, that plot point is completely overridden by, like, a later plot point where they get the exact same information in a totally different way. So... I genuinely, I think this scene only exists, again, is to get Harry involved. I don't think that it matters in yeah. any way other than that. Oh, that's a good point, because he's, he's still technically not on, on homicide yet again. Uh, yeah. And he goes in the next morning to the captain, he's like, damn you, Like I'm going to do this in my own time <laughs> if I have to. And the captain's like, no need, Harry. You've been on homicide again since 9am this morning. <laughs> get, this, get this done. And I'm like... And that's, that's literally, it's been one day. We saw him in personnel one time. He's not conflicted. That's like... Okay, I'll buy on some level that you, like, I mean, it'd take a bit of work, I suppose, but let's say I buy that he's willing to, like, put Harry back on this because he, he for some reason, mm -hmm. he either wants to give Harry this so that, because it's personal, or he believes Harry's the only person who could pull this off, whatever your reason's going to be. But he doesn't even seem conflicted. It's not like, no. you know what, Harry, I hate to have to do this, but. I need you back. You know, there's, there's not even that tone. He's just like, you're back on since 9 a.m. this morning. I don't even have to think about it. He never has that moment where he's like, look, we all know you're dirty, Harry. But he just, 
it, he just straight up is just like, yeah, no, no, I totally get it. You're cool. Do, do what's so funny is that I feel like the term dirty cop means something completely different to dirty Harry. Oh, which yeah. is kind of funny in hindsight because if you say dirty cop, you mean a cop that either is on the take or is just straight up doing you know a lot of bad stuff. Whereas right. ha- Harry's more like, no, no, he'll bend the rules to catch the bad guy, kind of yeah. you know dirty cop. He, he's he's dirty in the way that he gets his hands dirty, yeah, like yeah. literally, rather than his conscience. Yeah, although some of his tactics do put a lot of people in danger. Maybe his conscience should be a little <laughs> murky yeah. up. But that's what he has a constantly stream of dying partners for. Yeah. Well, so him and his partner uh, are going to look at the autopsy uh, of the uh, new partner. Uh, the new partner, Moore. yes. Uh, uh, Moore, Inspector <laughs> yes. Moore. Do you know what's funny? Actually, is that he's always been Inspector Callahan. That's always been his his, his rank. Um, mm-hmm. I associate associate inspector with uh british police more than i do american i feel like american is usually detective yeah i mean i'm sure that there's some like carryover for some reason i mean um we watched a movie recently that had constable that's true that was that was a surprise to me that constables still exist well i think when i was younger i didn't realize that like every state in the u.s like they have i mean not not that there's 50 different ones but like you know, it varies state to state. If you have a sheriff, or if you have a right. a captain, or you know, like like you have these different words for different ranks, and like I mean, know. I live I lived in Maryland, and there is a state police force and a sheriff and a local police as well. Yeah, so so it's quite complex and confusing to be honest. Like to keep track yeah. of it all. Uh, so I I just you know I'll accept whatever the movie tells me, but it just inspectors mm-hmm. what I associate more with uh, uh the UK. That's I think that's I think that's technically what detectives are in the UK. Is there Probably. inspectors? But you know, uh, TVs of like warped all of our brains, so the American <laughs> terms just kind of like you know sprinkle in and out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, like police aren't called cops here, but I still say cop all the time because I, I watch oh, so much course. movie and TV. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so they go they go to the autopsy, and there's a running theme here, which you kind of hinted at with the intro. Is uh, there's a running joke where Harry will say, you know, maybe I should advise that you could stay out here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no, I can take it. And of course, she goes in and she's like ready to throw up as she's looking at the body. She's just standing yeah. there, all awkward. Uh, which actually, this is kind of a weird out of place scene because, like, you've got these two coroners who are talking to Harry and they're telling them all this stuff. But then they go, oh, we're about to open up the the head, the, the cranium, right? And mm-hmm. we get this weird, like, because I guess because they want it to be too graphic, we get this almost like sam raimi style like shadow of like right. the, the the dome of the head coming off it is this extended shot that lasts a while I'm like this is uh some sort of like horror movie this little scene like what's going on here <laughs> i mean i get it from the view they immediately lightharten it by saying like oh wow it was harry you got to take a look at this and he's like what it's like it says eat it luigi's um so they immediately turn it into a joke but yeah this entire scene like it only exists a to have them at this building for the next scene yeah. and b to show that she's still green which the past four scenes involving her have shown us so it feels honestly out of place in that it's completely unnecessary from every viewpoint as a crap harry who's typically worn a very similar outfit most of the time or whenever mm-hmm. we see him in these movies uh, for this section of the movie, he's, he's in his normal kind of like you know sports jacket uh, suit kind of combo for the you know before and after this, but he's mm-hmm. wearing kind of like a casual jacket in this scene. Yeah, uh, it stuck out to me because there's this chase scene that happens in a minute. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's he's running in something that isn't you know the the tweed or whatever he normally wears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, I'd have I have to imagine maybe it's like his day off or something. Yeah, but 
Yeah, so so you have this. And as they were walking into this building, though, Harry recognized a dude outside. Uh, a, bl- mm. a black guy who's holding a briefcase. And he's got like a hat and sunglasses on or whatever. Yep. And he's like, oh. And this is this is at the police station. The, the, the coroner's place is like, it's like next door to the police station or it's like down this like aisle outside, mm. right? Uh, so they come outside after the autopsy scene and there's like a, not a huge explosion, but they hear like a rumble. Like, you know, there's like a, in the right. distance, there was some sort of bang. And they're right at the police station and it turns out an explosion went, went off in the bathroom. And there was no one in there. But they got lucky. There was no one actually hurt by it. Right. But they're like, hey, must have been that guy I recognized. Yeah. They, uh, they, they had some eyewitness say like, yeah, I did see a guy matching that description coming it was like out a, of the bathroom. It was, uh, I want to say it was, it was like, like a, a tour group for a bunch of kids. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say it was, it was like a Boy Scout group or something that was yeah. getting shown around. But the, the guy who was doing it was like, yeah, yeah, I saw this guy and... I, what's I like, weird is that he was like i didn't see anybody come out of the bathroom and then dirty or and then harry was just like are you sure you didn't see this guy and he's like actually yes i did see that guy <laughs> i like how he put in like a mistake intentionally so that the guy would mm. correct it so he would know for sure it was yeah, right i did think that was clever yeah because he's because you know, he's describing the guy he's like oh he's black whatever but then he says oh and he was like five one he's like no 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 this guy was like six foot that's him <laughs> like i was like do you know what yeah. that's actually quite smart because you're making him correct it into the right thing yeah yeah, that's, that's good. good. Uh, but yeah, so he he runs out and uh, like he's talking to like the lieutenant or something. And again, the lieutenant's also really sexist because Moore comes in <laughs> and she's like, hey, "I need to tell you something." And the lieutenant's like, "Not right now." And I actually thought the joke of this scene was going to be that he didn't even realize she was a cop because the way no, he kept, the way he kept dismissing her, like, "No, shut up, woman. We're talking a serious conversation here." I thought, oh, you're go- you don't even realize this is Harry's partner. You think she's not involved in this, and this, this is just someone that Harry knows or something. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the the ult- and that never happens, but the ultimate joke is like, hey, I saw that guy. <laughs> He's outside. And Harry's like, why don't you say something? <laughs> so I was trying to, damn it. Yeah. I, I, I think obviously that's exacerbated by, she makes sure that every time she says anything to him, she's like, inspector, making mm. it sound like... She's outside of this. She's just a random citizen. And, but, and then he keeps turning back of, oh, quiet, sweetheart, men are talking. Yeah. So they run outside. They see him walking down the street, and Harry gives chase, and the guy sees him, and he's like, oh, I'll start running then. Okay. And then, like, 20 minutes happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> this chase scene is so long and boring. It's oh, God. Uh, like, I felt like, again, this is a direction problem, which Magnum Force had a little bit of this for a couple of scenes as well, but this was even mm. worse is that you ever heard in the first movie like harry just like from the first crime scene walking downstairs and then walking across the street to the building that the, the shot must have came from remember how captivating that was watching like his thought process and like oh he's walking to the other building you realize yeah. this is where the gunshot came from mm-hmm. and then compare this to like here where this is probably the best look at san francisco streets we get out of this this movie franchise so far where they're running down all these you know uh very uh what's the the phrase held streets like tightly packed yeah, yeah. these you know these these you know uh high angle streets uh that mm-hmm. are tightly packed and then they end up in the rooftops and they're jumping from rooftop to rooftop um mm-hmm. and obviously moore can't keep up because she's in a because there's a right at the start of the chase when he sees him walking down the street harry leaps over the 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 fence and she mm-hmm. like thinks about it for a second he goes oh no i can't do that and he seals in the skirt <laughs> that's not gonna yeah. happen so and then at one point the uh guy throws in the trash his briefcase yes and more stops to fish it out yeah which was smart so. because it's evidence mm-hmm. obviously yeah. 
she freaks out later on though when she finds out that there was a there was a more dynamite in there with a timer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know whatever. So we get this long ass chase sequence where there and it sounds like it could or should be exciting because it is like you know all these locations they're jumping rooftop to rooftop but it's mm-hmm. just like it's just not filmed in a way that makes any of it exciting it's just very and it goes on far too long as well uh yeah where it, it just keeps going the only interesting thing that happens before the ending of it is that we have to have a scene where harry stumbles into some sex thing going on oh because of course. because the 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 guy he's chasing falls through uh. the skylight of a building into a porn shoot <laughs> <laughs> he, he lands in a bed and there's like maybe five naked people like you know like two guys and like three naked girls and like a camera guy and like a director uh, and some other people yeah. and they're all just like oh what's happening here why is this man falling through the window <laughs> i j- <sighs> As soon as that scene happened, as soon as he fell through the skylight, and I'm like, you know, I I, I see the bed first. I see the red linens of the yeah. bed, and I'm like, did he just fall into an orgy? And then they show the camera and stuff like that. I'm like, oh no, a porn shoot. That's so much better. Thank you. Yeah, and obviously and then, the, the movie didn't feel like it had gotten its quota of Harry doing weird sex or and oh, be, no. being around weird sex stuff. So there's Absolutely more later. Not. Don't worry. And like I I. I literally, my first note on here was during the hitchhiking scene. It was, wow, this movie is not wasting any time with its sex appeal because it just shows the girl in like, yeah, yeah, Daisy Duke shorts just standing there in front of the camera. The very first I, shot. What's so weird about this is that I, I did not expect one of the running things of this franchise to be Harry has to stumble into a threesome or an orgy or a porn shoot at well, some see, point. See, that's what, that's what I feel like. It's one of those things where they, they have the first movie. And they, there are iconic moments from that, or at least people, moments that when you watch it, it's something that sticks out in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then they just have to keep on doing that over and over again. So people watch the original Dirty Harry and they're like, hey, do you remember that scene where Harry like spied on some, like a threesome happening? Like when he was on the rooftop? Like, oh yeah, that was a scene that sticks out. So that every installment that comes later, they're like, that is... A moment that people remember about the movie, therefore, it is quintessential that it is included in this movie. Yeah, at least it, that's the way. That's the way I think it goes. No, I think I think you know, I think you're right, and I think the, the whole appeal of it is that Harry is disgruntled, so the idea of anything, you know, remotely outside of his wheelhouse is entertaining mm-hmm. to watch him have to put up with. But yeah, you know, it's not like he even reacts to it in this movie. He doesn't really care. I mean, the one later he reacts to because it it's more absurd. But you know, yeah. we'll get to that. Oh god! But he just kind of, you know, doesn't even acknowledge it at this one. And I, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I will say here, Harry did feel a little softened as a character. I feel like in Magnum Force, he's still very much like Harry from the first movie, even though they mm-hmm. had to kind of undo the ending of the arc to, to continue. I'm just going to assume that for every future installment of this, I mm-hmm. just can ignore the last ten minutes from the last movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's as much they have to ignore with this one, to be fair. Which is maybe another criticism is it doesn't do enough at the end to make him change, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh but he he you know, he in this one, I just I feel like he's maybe it's just because he's a little bit older or whatever. It's, I mean, you know, it's, another, it's the same gap as the first two movies, it's three years, but yeah. you know, I just I'm thinking back to Magnum Force and I'm thinking just like the way he was when he was with like his neighbor lady friend or just mm-hmm. little moments like that. I feel like he's just, you know, there's, there's elements of his character that have just been stripped away a little bit to make him yeah. furthermore a caricature into 
the Harry that we remember as opposed to the full-fledged character that he was in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think on TVTropes.com, it's called Flanderization, where it's you start off with a well-defined character with one or two quirks, and then slowly over the course of the character, those quirks become the defining features of the character. Yeah. And that's what's happened to Harry here, where it's like, the first movie, he was fully defined. He had he was disgruntled. He was old. He was done with the system. Things were changing around him. He had a whole thing. We went on for like an hour and a half about that. But and it was great. All those layers to his character yeah, were great. Well, absolutely. But then with every iterative process of it, we're like, oh, Harry doesn't like women. So that's going to be his thing. And it's like, Harry doesn't like uh, interacting with sex stuff. So that's his thing. And it's just, okay, but like, that's not the character. That's just a thing that happened to the character that you're then mm. making the character. Yeah, it's definitely a, an ongoing problem. Uh, yeah. And franchises in general. But I think you hear, we're, we're seeing a really good example of it with Harry, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it ends up in a church where... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Where, as far as I can tell, another porn actor is the priest because oh, he's got a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, uh, he's the full Ron Jeremy. And and the, you know the, the, the eventually, like, how did they this... tackle? They yeah, tackle the guy. <laughs> he, they 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 chase the guy into the church. They tackle the guy into some pews. The priest is like, "I'm going to need to see some identification." As he's like trying to wrestle his guy down. And uh, eventually Harry just punches him in the face, shows his badge. And then the priest is like, you know, I don't, I don't like anything that you're doing. You're beyond saving. And then the partner shows up and the scene just ends. Yes. Uh, and this priest ends up being a prominent character later on, apparently. But we'll... Which I, again, <laughs> out of left field. Yeah. I don't get that at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So this felt like a little section. That's this, this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, the autopsy of the partner leads into this. Oh, there was a small explosion at the police station and we chased the guy who planted the bomb and that was like yep. a 10-minute segment. And now, then it feels like, okay, we've done that now. So yep. what's next? And, and then like, the little Quentin Tarantino, like chapter two yeah. comes up on screen. <laughs> and, and then I think after this, we're moving on to, okay, there's maybe someone who might know, like because the, who this guy's worked with before, We'll go mm -hmm. speak to this this uh, black group. This uh, I don't know if militant yeah. group's the right they're, term here. It says they called them a black militant group called okay. Uhuru. So they go to this like barber shop, which is their kind of like headquarters. Mm -hmm. And Harry wants to speak to the leader, who's named Mustafa. Who and mm -hmm. at first they they you know they're just cracking jokes at him and being a bit intimidating. But eventually Mustafa yeah. comes out and wants to speak to him. And you know there's kind of this like. And again, you could kind of feel like maybe there'd be something interesting to this relationship between Harry and this Mustafa character where, or they could do this thing where obviously, you know, circumstances have put them on these other sides to, to this kind of, you know, society line. But mm -hmm. there's maybe a sense of respect and Mustafa actually does want to help and, you know, stop this group. Because this guy used to run with his group, but you know, he's joined up with this weird mixed militant group who are doing right. these ransom demands and stealing weapons and stuff. Uh, mm. because the thing as the movie goes on i think later on mustafa says no we're a peaceful group we don't we don't yeah. use violence and stuff they like that they literally say they're just waiting for all the white people to kill each other and then they're just gonna show up <laughs> yeah so. there's definitely an element of cynicism and yeah. and their uh, uh oeuvre but uh, you know uh, like it kind of felt like okay maybe there could be something interesting here and especially because after harry talks to him and they kind of make this deal where okay you help someone who got picked up for possession that's in my group and you know i'll mm. uh 
give you this information. I'll look around for you. Whatever. Which I did, I did enjoy because that goes back to what I think is like a core Dirty Harry thing, right? He like possession. Who cares? It's a little yeah. crime. Like that's the thing that Harry would just be like, "Who cares?" I'm just I, if it's in the service of getting this bigger fish, it's worth ignoring. Yeah, you know, he's he's out for murders and rapists and stuff. He wants the yeah. the, the dangerous people that are right. out there. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, that's all makes sense. And I did, you know, one of the most interesting things the movie does, I guess, is that as soon as like him and Moore leave the mm-hmm. the scene uh they actually like get driven past by a, like a cop car and then lots of other cop cars all arrive at this place and arrest this this group uh mm-hmm. because they want to make them the scapegoats for these threats right yeah and it's so like, one and, one thing real quick though before we get too deep far away from this uh yeah? mustafa is the guy Mustafa is the same guy who appeared in the first two movies. You're, you're, was, right. You know what? I do. He was the guy who was attacked. Like, I can't. I can't think of him as the pimp in this because I, I guess because he was dressed up in all this like ridiculous outfit and I think he had like a mm-hmm. wig on and stuff. But no, I can definitely recognize him from the first movie because because he he, yep. he does look the same as he's lying there. Mm-hmm. Um, is I mean I guess he's not the same character, but I, maybe you could head cannon it. Well, there's <laughs> there's this point. There's this point in the movie. He walks in to Mustafa's office, and he's like, "Where do I know you from?" They're like just poking mm. that little fun, where he's just like, "I seen you. I know you." That's just definitely the most prominent character he's had, because this feels like an actual character as opposed to mm. you know the pimp from the last movie. Or oh, the... it's it's definitely going up each time because yeah. the first one is just like a like two lines and then he's out and then the pimp gets a whole scene this guy gets a whole named character that implies stuff to the role next movie i think he's going to be playing harry i think that's <laughs> where we're going because no, i think in this movie he like i don't think the movie does enough with it but he not only does he have a named character but he has a character who harry has to not only communicate with but kind of has to you know like after he's been arrested falsely and harry has to come back for help later there's yeah. kind of like a an understanding that he's had some wrongdoings to him by the police force, and there's oh, you yeah. know there, there's some layers to it that maybe the movie's actually trying to say something about corruption and about uh, like racism from the police force. Like it doesn't get that deep into it, obviously, but there's definitely right. a little smidge of it in here, you know. And like Mustafa is yeah. definitely presented as this reasonable character who the audience should you know at least respect or be behind in some level you know it's, yeah. it's not if you if you respect harry then you should also respect mustafa is the way that they're putting it out here because harry respects him yeah and the things he tries to do which you know is a big step up from he is just this violent pimp who kills people right in the last movie <laughs> yeah so you know uh... i mean i would say it is literally impossible to headcanon the character because the pimp is dead so oh sure uh, you could probably headcanon <laughs> it with the first movie at least oh, yeah uh, if 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 he used to just be like a bank robber and you know, got yeah. out and like became the leader of this group, why not? I don't I don't know if six years or five years is enough to <laughs> like. I got lucky. He yeah. hit some hit the big time. Uh, but yeah, so but yeah, so the captain frames Mustafa in the group, and then terrorism. wants to credit Harry and Moore with this arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor, he suggested because he suggested to the mayor, hey, this would be good PR that you know. Our first female inspector is a part of this kind of thing. Now, that's the one thing that I was really confused on, was why the captain wanted this. Because, yes, there's the reason he gave of the, you know, the optics of it, of, oh, mm. well, it makes it look like your campaign is really working. But he's when he's delivering it from a meta viewpoint, he's kind of, like, stuttering over it. Like, he, he didn't really think about a real reason I think... why. He was just getting through it. 
I think you could look at it as he's making this suggestion for optics because he just really likes kissing the mayor's ass. And the mayor immediately says, hey, I'm going to make some changes when I'm re-elected and you're mm-hmm. going to be a big part of that new department kind of thing. Uh, okay. You could also read it maybe that he's just like, in case there's backlash that they made a mistake on this arrest because he knows it's bogus, he's mm-hmm. he's going to pin it on Harry and Moore and that way, like, it's not his fault. He's got scapegoats yeah. of his own. It should should this like have blowback in some capacity? I don't know. Like uh, I was kind of maybe thinking I mean, he was doing I, that as well. I was just waiting through that scene because I didn't want it to do the same thing that Magnum Force did, where the lieutenant was evil the whole time. I didn't want this captain because it's so obvious that he's a dick. I'm not saying that he isn't a bad guy. Just you know, from Harry's perspective, I didn't want him to actually be like the villain. I didn't want him to be someone who's like, nah. no, I knew about this terrorism force the whole time and I let them do it because mwahahaha. He's about Weasley, but he's not like a villain. He's just kind of yeah. out for himself. Uh, but that le- scene was just implying to me that like yeah. maybe he is. The lieutenant character from the first one who's, his role in this movie is basically, he's there as like Harry's direct superior, even though we've got a captain who's the one who's actually barking orders at him. And the right. lieutenant from the first movie, he basically just exists to kind of be this intermediate where he's he, he respects harry and is sticking up for him but he's also mm-hmm. trying to sugarcoat anything harry says to the captain and make sure harry doesn't get fired so yeah. he's just kind of there as like an intermediate in all these scenes and i mean that comes back to the first movie where the lieutenant was genuinely a good guy he played a bit more by the book than harry did mm. but he let harry do what he needed to do because he knew he got results yeah so uh i, I love how it's kind of weird like so he was just missing with all this corruption with the guy from the last movie was yeah, happening he, and now he's back? He, he went to rehab for six months. And that's I guess you, maybe you could argue in. he transferred somewhere else, but then once they lost like their lieutenant from the last mm-hmm. movie, he's like, hey, Shed, do you want to come back to San Francisco? and Or, this, yeah. or at least this precinct, you know? I mean, we can headcanon however we want, but odds are it was probably just the actor was missing. Yeah, the actor wanted to come back and get a payday, so they're like, yeah, we'll put him back in the movie. Why yeah, not? sure, why not? Yes. Um, all right. So, what happens after that? Because generally, after that point, oh, that's the point where he chews out the mayor and the captain. Oh yeah, because they, they try to put him in front of the press to like accept mm-hmm. this like commendation for for this arrest, and he's like, "This is bullshit. It didn't happen." Yeah. Um, it's not true. It's bullshit. I did not. <laughs> and not only is it bullshit, like Mustafa was about to help me, and you've kind of ruined that a little bit. So mm-hmm. screw you, you idiot. And. Uh, the captain just steps in and says, all right, Harry, you're suspended for like 180 days. Give me your badge. And, yeah. you know, Harry there storms was one, off. There was one line in here that I had to write down because I love yeah, it so on. much. It was, uh, can I make a statement? And he's like, go ahead. And it's like, your mouthwash ain't making it. Actually, the line I liked in this scene, that I really liked in this mm-hmm. scene, actually, is uh, here's a, a five-point suppository. Yeah, the, he's the like, seven-point so seven, so Here's the seven-point, because yeah. that's, that's how many points are on the yeah. badge. Here's a seven-point mm-hmm. suppository, and the captain's like, what does that mean? Shove up your ass. <laughs> I was like, you know Perfect. what? Making him ask that so you could say that was, was actually quite good. That was a funny oh, line. Yeah. Oh, actually, which reminds me, this has nothing to do with this, but it was, it was in the opening section, so I'll mention it now. Um, mm. This movie has one of my favorite ever shotgun blasts that I've ever seen. Uh, okay. so in the opening scene after he stabbed the first electrician the villain uh, shoots the younger guy who comes out but when the younger mm. guy comes out he's holding two bottles of beer and so when he blasts a shotgun at him you see the bottles of beer smash the split second before the squibs and his uh, stomach go off mm. and I just thought it looked really cool <laughs> yeah I mean that's fair 
It was like you could just smash, and then the I don't know. It just it, it looked good. It's it's one yeah. of the few things in this movie I'm just positive about. But I really like that yeah. that shotgun blast. Take your tiny wins where you can. Yes. I'll bet you. So anyway, Harry storms off. Moore storms out after him, saying, "Harry, wait up, wait up. I'll I'll still feed mm-hmm. you information because I'm assuming you're going to investigate this still." And he's like, "Damn right, I am." Right. And this is where they just sort of spend some time walking and talking, and they get a drink at one point together. Mm-hmm. This is where she makes some innuendos, because they're walking past uh, one of these famous San Francisco landmarks, which I actually yeah. recognize, of all things, <laughs> from uh, Replicant, which is a movie by the director of Birdemic, who makes all of his movies in San Francisco. Uh, okay. And I just, I, I, that's what, there's a scene in that tower, and in, in, I'm sure there is anyway. Uh, I'll take your word for it. But she says it's kind of phallic, and I'm looking at it when she says it, and I'm going, not really. It's a cylinder, <laughs> but it's not really phallic. And then she's like, uh, "So, and you like the forty-four man?" I'm like, "Why not these other guns?" And he's like, "Ah, you know, it's, it's, it's more stop about you. We'll go through a windshield." And she's like, "So it's about the penetration." <laughs> and I'm like, and "Are you trying to turn this into a porn? Like, what is, what is that?" This? Was the exact moment where I was like, "Please don't get them together. Please don't have them in bed together. Like, I will." That will undo anything that happened in terms of like the sexism stuff if you just make it that Harry and her are just a couple now. Yeah, yeah, it will ruin any. I mean, it doesn't really say anything anyway, but it'll ruin anything you're trying to say if if you have yeah. them be a couple. Uh, so you know, but they you know, they they have this sort of bonding or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was half expecting because they go and get like a like a a small beer or something from like a little stand. I was yeah. expecting something to happen randomly here because this this would be the equivalent of eating the cheeseburger or the, oh, yeah. the hot dog. Nah. I was like, oh, there'll be something when they're sipping beers together at the at the water. That that will yeah. be when the, the random. It never does though, but I, I thought it may. Uh, whatever. And at this point, you're like, okay, like are we doing anything? And Harry, in his next part of investigation, I don't know if he, he goes to see Mustafa again. I don't know if it's before, if it's at this point or after the next section. But I think it's after because it's after. that's where he gets the okay. interest. That's where he gets the info on the priest. Oh sure, sure. Uh, so Mustafa still helps him. Um, hmm. Well, the next scene that comes up is the mayor kidnap. Oh, is that already? I, I thought that's already. Uh, yep. I thought the uh, the massage place was going to be next, but nope. Fair enough. Next up is the mayor. So the the terrorist group has decided. All right, time to finally do something. So they hop in a van and they got this whole plan where they're going to. They're going. They know the mayor is going to be leaving a baseball game at a certain time. So they wait for him outside the baseball stadium. They have one of their members raise a drawbridge so he's not going to be able to get across it. And then they use that as Which, enough this, time this for them to, to kidnap that. the mayor. She raises the drawbridge by forcing the guy who works there with a gun to do it. Yeah. It's not like she knows how to actually raise the bridge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that being said, it looks like it was only like three buttons That's based true. off the guy. But uh, yeah, so they kidnap the mayor. They kill his little Weasley assistant, who we haven't mentioned before, but existed solely to die he, he's just there with the mayor and never seen the mayor's in up until this yeah. point and he's he seems like he's trying to trying to pull like the jafar sort of thing where he's like uh mr mayor you have to do this now and the mayor's like oh what yeah sure whatever yeah but, pretty much yeah yeah so at that point they kidnap the mayor and i do want to point out at this point they're they they're doing this whole thing they shoot out his tires uh as he's driving away they kill the driver they kill the assistant they kidnap the mayor they steal the speedboat and they just drive away or they sail away 
the entire time the scene is going, there's some very strangely upbeat jazz music. <laughs> like the entire time the scene is going, it's just like a doop 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 doop, and I'm like, this is yeah, no, this is kidnapping music, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there was similar music, I think, over the opening titles, which was just like a, a helicopter shot of uh, San Francisco, but... No, but that stuff was like really... That was like into it jazz music. Yeah. That was like the sort of stuff that gets you... That's like a crime drama sort of... The trumpets yeah. going hard, the sax. This one was just like a... It was like elevator music while they were <laughs> doing this entire kidnapping heist. It wasn't tense. It wasn't anything. It was and just like a... Yeah, you know. Let's not forget, they were very excited about the stun gun, which apparently was newfangled technology in 1976. Yeah, that's what got me. They were like, hey, could you send me that taser gun? This has 20 million volts or whatever. It's like, okay, this this is new to you? He says something like, oh, this looks like something in a James Bond movie. And I'm like, okay, I guess. All right. (laughs) I think it was at one point, because that was back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, so basically, it's okay, so the mayor's kidnapped. They want a big ransom demand. Uh... It's, it's whatever um harry goes to see mustafa which leads to the priest uh harry beats up the priest he actually almost gets shot here because the well, hold on hold on oh. you at that point well, the the massage parlor is what i think leads to the priest i thought okay i'm getting all, i'm getting the order mixed yeah. up not that it really matters <laughs> that much to be honest but no it doesn't but i do want to talk about the adventures of larry dickman oh yes so <laughs> he goes to this he's basically looking for the second woman who's in the group right uh mm. and like wanda. whatever information leads to the idea that she is this woman named wanda mm-hmm. and she's worked at this massage parlor so he goes there and he goes in and he's got a hat on he's sort of undercover effectively he's, his name is larry dickman and he's saying mm-hmm. hey you know can i get wanda specifically and the woman's like oh we'll see what we can do uh what would you like uh for 75 dollars and i love how harry's like 75 uh, but he's like for 75 dollars you know and we you know we really shouldn't do this because the heat is on and i thought she was going to say like like a happy ending or something and yeah like and then it, it gets weirder though where it's like no no you'll, you'll you'll have an instructor train you in like 35 sex positions or something and i'm like yeah okay but then she takes him to the room and it's like there's a blow-up doll and it's like yeah, yeah a woman will come in and instruct you but you're 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 you're, you're doing it with a doll this this felt like a comedy beat that didn't quite land, but it was it was still there at least. It was so it was just a weird like this is such a really weird silly joke, and I guess it's just yeah. it's taking that 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 you know Harry being uncomfortable with a weird sex thing like to yeah. an extreme where no this is actually just a weird thing like does this sort of play because I still thought like, it was going to be a massage. Yeah, like I I feel like in the first Dirty Harry movie and a little bit in the second it was it wasn't so much that Harry was upset about sex things it was that he was upset with the more liberalizing yeah, of sex, yeah, yeah where it's like not you know it's it's oh look three people can go at it once i feel like this is like still trying to play into that but i can't imagine that there was any liberalizing of sex that was just like yeah no we're going to instruct you on sex on a blow-up doll it's like no that's that's this is weird to everyone yeah that's yeah because uh, i was expecting okay it's either just a full-on brothel that's you know saying it's a massage parlor for the optics mm-hmm. Uh, or it's a massage parlor that'll do some, you know, happy endings or something. But it ended up being this weird thing in the middle that's like, what is this? Yep. Um, so then at that point, a woman comes in, and it's not Wanda. It is someone else, because, of course, we couldn't get it that easily. And So Harry the... just beats up everyone. <laughs> yeah, Harry's just like, where can I find Wanda? And she's like, I don't know. It's like, who knows? And it's like, the guy down the hall to the right. And Harry makes his way down to 
what I guess is like the early days of the Nigerian Prince email scam, where oh, I forgot it's a about whole this. bunch, it's a whole bunch of old ladies saying, hi, me and my hot Swedish sister made a made a sex tape. And if you send us fifty dollars, we'll send it to you. And it's all these old ladies who then put on lipstick, kiss the letter and then send it on its yeah, way. Yeah, the, the implication being that the sexy young one who's going to be in the video made this letter and kissed it for yeah. you, right? Now, do you know what this is? This is uh, the old school equivalent, which obviously takes a lot more effort, of like a sex bot. This is like the sex bot because they're saying, yeah. you know, do you know how they, they auto-read your location? So they'll be like, hey, I'm a sexy lady yeah. and you know, your postcode or your zip code. Uh, Hi, join I'm, me looking up. For someone, I'm looking for someone to join me in VPN detected. Yeah, this is, this is what this is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that, that, but just in letter form. But it's like a whole yep. operation with like a bunch but of old ladies. Then, he doesn't do anything here. He just looks at this for a good minute and a half, and then walks into the next room. Yeah, and then he just you know beats the guy up enough yeah, to, until he yeah, s- says, right. "Hey, she goes to this church," which leads to the back to the priest yeah. again. Uh, yep. So yeah, yeah, and then for some reason, the woman he's looking for, Wanda, is like disguised as a nun in the church, mm. and she's going to like you know pull out a machine gun and shoot him. Which is when, you know, the partner, Moore, just happens to have been... Because yeah. we didn't see her go with him. She's just there and pops up yeah. and, you know, saves him. Uh, which is whatever. But yeah, the, the implication being that this priest is heavily involved and maybe even the leader who radicalized this group, but... But apparently he didn't want it to ever actually come to killing. He, like, gave them ideals and then they went on their own or something. Which turned into the blonde main guy being just a sadistic guy who kills everyone on site. Even when all he has to do is, like, knock them out to do what he's doing. He just kills everyone. Yeah, I mean, honest to God, I don't understand this part at all. Because it's saying that the priest was the one who radicalized them, and he obviously has some sort of ideals because he keeps on bad-mouthing Harry the whole time. So he obviously has something against either the police or something against any form of, like, government or something like that it's hard to say but as we see later on the entire group that he quote-unquote radicalized they don't really even have any ideals anyway all they have is the desire for this five million dollar ransom so i don't understand how these two link up at all and i don't think the movie really does either no uh honestly the connection is so tenuous that i don't even think i clocked exactly what it was saying until i thought about it and like really it felt like a simple plot detail that isn't supposed to be something i have to sit and you know theorize and go well i guess if you put these two things together it kind of makes sense instead of feeling like an intentional like ambiguous thing or something that the director Mm -hmm. wants you to like have to think about and ponder it just feels like a messy thing that is unclear (laughs) yeah you know it felt like they had they had a much larger thing in an earlier draft of the script and it got reduced and reduced and reduced until finally they were left with these two scenes and they couldn't even remember why they were necessary to begin with yeah um so like after this it's like after this is just the entire third act yeah which is very short you know it's basically oh where are they hiding oh they're hiding on alcatraz so we're going to have our big set piece on alcatraz and yep. Harry and and Moore go there, and you know I, I, they it, go on a boat. They use a water cannon to knock out one of the guys, and then they just. I mean, shootout. it's li- it's just, yeah, it's a shootout scene, but like not. It's also a stealth scene because they have to get in and get the mayor. But which that's is, Moore's whole thing. Yeah, that's mainly Moore that's doing that. Harry's just chasing people, and. Yeah. 
like obviously Moore gets shot um during you know a standoff kind of moment which is whatever it's fine but this is my big thing is like you know like the harry has said a couple of times that he has to get this guy because he killed his partner a partner who of course we only got a couple of scenes with where they crack jokes about him being italian and fat so mm-hmm. it's not like i really buy into that anyway but like he never actually gets to talk to the villain and say you killed my partner and that's why i'm hunting you or you don't get the villain returning with uh, something like oh like and i don't give a shit about your stupid partner i'm gonna kill you there's never like a a back and forth where they actually get to know each other as characters he he just you know i mean he kills him by firing a bazooka at him as he's climbing a tower (laughs) that's the end of the movie that's literally been something that's been in every interaction in both movies is that anytime harry's like hunting some guy down he stops and he talks to the guy even if it's just for a one-liner he at least says something he makes it known what's going on like they yeah. had the whole thing with the very first scene of dirty harry was the you feeling lucky punk like he came up had a whole dialogue with this guy and then arrested him and that's You're continued right. for every single one and as soon as we get to the villain of this one it's like does he even know his name and i'm th- i'm thinking I mean, I'm thinking deeper than that. I'm thinking more like the main villains of the first two movies where there's actually like a personal, you know, yeah. drive to but get them. every villain. But... It's every single bad guy he stopped and talked to. But even, yeah, even on that simple term of just having some one-liners, he doesn't even do that with the villain in this. He's no. he's, he's so disconnected from the villain. Uh, you know, he, he never gets closer to him than maybe... I, I don't even think they tackle at any point, so he maybe never, he never gets closer than like 20 or no. 30 feet <laughs> to the villain. And he just no. fires a rocket at him. Which, you know, because he's climbing, he's got the mayor hostage and he's climbing up this, like, sort of, uh, guard know, look, tower. Lookout, yeah, guard tower, lookout tower. And mm. luckily the mayor's been left, like, a level below so that the explosion doesn't kill him, too. But I was, I was honestly, I was hoping that scene was going to wrap up because obviously at that point he was setting up the bazooka. I wanted him to, like, kill the mayor, too. Hey, can I, I just was say, like, let's see how you get out of that one, Harry. We were just talking earlier about how that scene where they steal all the weapons never really comes into it. The only thing it really does is to justify why Harry's able to fire a rocket launcher at the end. Oh, yeah. That's all it Absolutely. really is setting up, is that Harry's going to use this at the end. As soon as they had that bazooka demonstration scene, and they're like, these guys have, like, a couple of these, I was like, so you're just going to explode everything in the climax. That's yes. how it's going. And even then, they didn't. They exploded one thing. Very underwhelming. Like, the yeah. climax is underwhelming. The build to it is underwhelming to the point where you never really feel like it actually earns any build up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, like Moore's death is basically just like her lying there going, get him, Harry, croak. Yeah. It couldn't be now, any more generic if it tried. So, and I mean, if we're really just going to go right up to the very end, there was a whole thing where the captain was basically saying like, look, we're out of ideas. We don't know how to catch these guys. We're just going to give in to the ransom demands. And Harry basically tells him like, you're just going to, this is where the optics things come in. This is like the last time it really applies where it's a thing of, if you do this, anybody's going to think that they can just commit these crimes and get away with it. Yeah, So, which is why don't you don't do negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then when it comes down to the final scene, it got weirdly like poignant in the end. And I don't think it, it's like an art school student saying something that sounds really important. Oh, yeah, but then when yeah. you think about it for a second, it's like, is it? Yeah, the mayor is- says, Harry, thank you for saving my life. Don't worry, I'm going to get you an accommodation for this. You can bet on that. Yeah. And Harry just kind of like, you know. He just walks back over to his partner. Yeah, he doesn't want to. Yeah. On the ground. And then right as the credits start, the captain, 
I guess is calling over the radio or whatever, saying like, all right, we've got your money. Now let the mayor go free. You've, you've gotten everything you've wanted. And then it goes to credits. And it's like, what are you saying? I don't, I genuinely have no idea what they, because it's, it's played all somber and poignant, but like, I don't get it. I don't have an answer for it. I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to think of what they're trying to say with, the- like, it's maybe it's if it was played with a different tone, I'd say it's slightly funny. How incompetent yeah. the the captain is. That oh, we've got your money. He's like, you don't even realize they're all dead already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Harry's already solved the problem. Well, you've got your tail between your legs, bringing the money to the the, the hostage But it wasn't. It, it was like they may as well have been playing like the super sad song at that point. It didn't make any difference to the general plot and i think and this is just me speculating i think that they kind of wanted to go back to the ending of the first dirty harry with like the sad walk away and throwing the badge and everything but that had a reason that had a purpose this one didn't feel like it had any reason or purpose behind it i mean obviously him not caring about the accommodation and only caring about his partner that makes enough sense i don't care enough about it because the movie's not done enough a good job to make me care but I understand it. It works on its own. For me, it's just the captain part. I, yeah. Like it, it lingers on that. It lingers on the fact that's the last line that said is that the captain's still giving the money, which makes me think it's an important thing to the theme of this movie, and I don't know how to translate it over. <sighs> I don't. I don't have an answer for you. Maybe someone in the comments can yeah. offer a theory. By all means. To it. I think that's the the problem is is that it it's got like technically themes in it right it's, you know mm-hmm. it brings up these subjects it brings up obviously the sexism and uh progression with that it brings up mm-hmm. racism specifically racism as far as like uh crime is the concerned systemic stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it, it brings up these things it brings up the optics and politics of it and like you know doing the job to because yeah, obviously the captain's doing his job to move forward his career right that's the one of the right. few things that's kind of made clear and the point is with harry that he's not doing that uh, he does it because he you know either cares or you know he sees some element of justice in what he does and you know he cares about doing the job yeah so like you know i i get some of the things that it's kind of hitting at but it, it it never really comes into focus where there's oh this is the arc and this is the the message by the end that clearly was mm-hmm. the intent of the film uh, there's never like a a satisfying like oh I get it now. There's never right. that. It, it's just it's yeah. it's kind of just throwing a lot of things into the the blender and hoping that it feels feels like it means something by the end. Yeah, it's like it it all if the other movies were using that blender analogy, the first movie would have been like just straight strawberries. And it's like mm, a strawberry smoothie. Next one was straight bananas. Mm, a banana smoothie. This one's just the full fruit salad. It's just all the different things thrown together, and maybe it'll taste good, maybe not, but it certainly doesn't have just one overriding theme to it, one overriding taste. It's just a mishmash of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. But each one's been progressively less nutritious as well. Yes, exactly. So this one especially feels quite rough in that respect, and... Mm -hmm. You know, again, I come, I come back to the pacing. Like, you know, I, I can forgive a lot of things if it's entertaining oh, yeah. to watch and it feels like it's moving forward and building up to something, but it never did. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the biggest crime of all. Before we even yeah. get to like, oh, poor themes and the poor use of its, uh, 
its elements to actually say something. Obviously, I want movies to say something, and that's great, but mm-hmm. I can't even enjoy it on a simple action movie or thriller level either. Yeah. No, I mean, this... this I don't know. I feel like they were straddling too many lines here. They wanted both the action movie and the movie that says something. They wanted the sexism statement. They wanted the racism statement. They wanted the something's wrong with the system statement and also all this other stuff. Like, it's just too many things going on and it does, in it, one movie. And it doesn't do any one of them particularly well. No, not at all. Because you, you, you sort of like forgive it a bit more if, okay, it's really good at this one element of it, so you can kind of cling on to that, and then the other stuff's a bit of a failure, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It doesn't do that, though. It's like they're all just undercooked. They all feel like they're not um, living up to much, so. Yeah. Well, I guess we can rate the enforcer <laughs> there. Sure. All, all, yeah. all that praise. Uh, okay. So for me, personally, out of 10, I would have to give this one... And after wrestling with it, I feel like it should almost go down, but I'm going to stick with it. I think it's a 5.5. And for me, the reason it has 5.5 and not lower is because it still has some elements. It still has a few things that just because I have been informed by prior movies as to like how this character works, how Dirty Harry works, I am able to probably read into it more than even the directors or writers were intending. I was able to, for instance, see those moments where like Harry was willing to just give up a guy who was charged with possession in order for the greater good. Those little moments are the only thing that I think that it's not, it's not a bad movie in that it does something that actively makes me angry. It's just disappointing in that it doesn't do anything well. Yeah. I think... On that point you sort of made there about like the, the, the past movies kind of informing stuff in this mm-hmm. and that maybe adding more to it than is really there in the first place. Like, I think the subjects that it does bring up in this do make sense as subjects to, to have Dirty Harry be involved with and tackle just because yes. so much of it is about him uh, and the changing of the times and how his views clash and like him maybe being this character who's represents the, an old school person but maybe is obviously ultimately going to learn to like fit into the world somehow uh mm-hmm. in whatever way so i always appreciate that conceptually none of the things in this feel off except maybe the villains the villains feel wildly off to be honest but yeah. mm-hmm. uh but the themes that harry himself is dealing with with the sexism and racism and stuff like that does feel like it makes sense to have to tackle with the character but none of it is done well um Obviously, Eastwood's still entertaining enough in the role. Um, he does mm-hmm. make a few of the moments funny because of how he delivers lines. Um, right. And, you know, on a schlocky level, if it did just become him giving one-liners and being in ridiculous action scenes, that could just be a fun B-movie if it, it wanted to go down that route. Obviously, this is a bit more of a mixed bag where a B-movie, we still have to have that... We still have to have pacing and we still have to function as a piece of entertainment, which I don't think mm-hmm. this quite hits. Uh, so I, I'm left in a kind of a tough position here where I, I think I probably go as the nudge lower and say it's a straight 5 out of 10. Um, even though, in the way I've described it, and especially when I talk about the pacing and the lack of momentum, I'm almost tempted to go a little bit lower. Uh, yeah. Because I do think there's some fundamental problems with just how it flows. But my gut instinct coming into this was a 5. Yeah, same with the five point five. It was, it's it's 
I don't think that either of us really discovered anything in this discussion with each other. I think it just enforced what we were already thinking. Mm -hmm. But it does sound just so negative because we are comparing it against the two prior ones, which overall were pretty good overall. It was... It's just a matter of it being this unexemplary film. Like, it doesn't do anything well in anything it attempts to do. It's yeah. just disappointing across the board. Not bad, per se, but just disappointing, which is... Oh, it, it could definitely be worse, and yeah. you may see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We've still got two left, so we'll see how that goes. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so... That is the enforcer. I guess we also have to ask the question, David, oh. does it make the cut? Does it make the cut? Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, so in in the example of you are you you sit down and you say, I want to collect the Dirty Harry movies, and you start watching them. We've said that the first two do make the cut. It comes to this one, and the question is, do you really want to like purchase this movie is it something that you want to have on hand and if that is the metric personally i would say it does not make the cut i would cut it from the collection i don't think that i could justify having this movie on the merits of it alone mm. it's not if it were if it were worse and yet somehow enjoyable i think i could see it being like a schlocky action if it were a better movie in terms of theming, maybe not as much action, I could collect it that way. But this fails on both accounts where it's just unremarkable across the board. So I cannot I cannot put it in the collection. So cuts yeah. for me. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're misremembering. I think we were on cutting it close for the last one. But, you know, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with this one, though. It's cut it from the collection. I wouldn't say it's not worth watching ever. It's a, you know, as a sequel to a franchise, you can give it one watch at some point. But I, I would say cut from the collection as well. Um, you know, I obviously I've moved on to uh, mostly collecting digitally and stuff like that. But when it comes to the, when I was collecting Blu-rays, I only bought the first one, uh, kind mm. of just from vague memory of how I felt about them. And now that we've watched three movies, and assuming the quality either stays around here or, or possibly gets worse... Um, I'm like, yeah, I feel like at the end of this, I might be recommending, yeah, if you're going to buy, I'd say just buy the first movie. Maybe maybe watch through the rest of them at some point. But mm. um, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see how we feel with four and five. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're, yeah, e easy cut from the collection on this one. Yeah. So there you go. So I will say, I mean, this was published 1976, and the next one doesn't come out until 83. So it's a bit of a gap. Yeah, we're going yeah, to be a decade major change here and we're gonna see even more changes as dirty harry has to deal with the 80s that is a, an interesting prospect actually and mm -hmm. i i'm curious chris but obviously it's going to be a bit older as well you know a bigger mm -hmm. jump than the previous movies yep. um yeah so i remember it feeling very different the next one because i i think it takes place outside the city i think he goes somewhere else right. okay uh and I, I think it has a very different feel because of that. So I mean, they've barely been paying attention to the city, or the city for the past two movies. So whatever. Well, I, I think it's. I think I remember feeling like it broke from format. Like they they wanted to keep the character, but they did like a different type of plot. Mm -hmm. uh, which maybe is for the better. I, I don't remember how I felt about it that much beyond that. But uh, we'll find out. Uh, yep. 
next time, I guess. So mm-hmm. there you go. That so sudden sudden impacts next. That's the four thirty Harry movie. Yes, but uh, that is the show. That is uh, the collector's cut for for this edition. Uh, we've been talking about the Enforcer. Uh, let us know what you think of the Enforcer in the comments. You can like and subscribe and ding the bell and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot. You can also support us by hitting the super thanks button, or of course, go over to Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV and supporting us on a monthly basis. Uh, which at the lowest tier and up you get the uh, the bonus episode for this. Uh, we yes. did The Gauntlet, which was another Clint Eastwood uh, cop movie from the 70s. So you can go get that that episode and our discussion of that. Uh, we also get bonus episodes over there for the other movie shows we do, as well as early access to episodes at the early access tier and other stuff like that. So it's worth going over if you like the content and want to help support it and keep it coming. You get some bonuses. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you're into all that stuff. Um but uh, otherwise, you know, get us on Twitter at um, at Screams Midnight, which is the movie channel's Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can get me at Wibble89 uh, if you want to get me personally. David, where can people get you? They can get me where they can get comic stuff at DC Comics Podcast. It's mm. one that you've hijacked from me if I call yep. it rightly. Just uh, wait until I steal this show. Oh, it's very good. <laughs> Uh, but there you go you can go do all that stuff uh, but yes thank you once again for joining us we always appreciate it and I still quite haven't thought of an outro line for this show yet uh, it'll come something's yeah. going to spark some uh, uh, I don't know maybe, maybe, I, maybe I can take the shove up your ass <laughs> I'll just end every episode I'm sure the advertisers would love that <laughs> uh, does it make the cut no you can shove it up your ass yeah. <laughs>